Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we are back. It is midweek. Could you imagine midweek? It is Wednesday. It's been a busy week and been a lot of news going on and too. John. A lot of news and uh, uh, a lot of revelations tonight. And uh, you're not going to believe all the things we're going to tell you, but a lot of news. And we have a blockbuster show too. We yes. got some great guests coming up too, John. And uh, we just uh, had uh, uh, leader Hakeem Jeffries in the studio. Yeah, House Minority and, Leader. Uh, By the way, the first African American ever in American history to lead one of the major parties as one of the leaders as the House Minority and, Leader. And important, you know, the important a New Yorker. So hopefully, you have uh, the uh, leader of the. Uh, states, well, the majority of, uh, United of the States Senate. Senate, you got, uh, uh, Chuck Schumer, a New Yorker. You got Hakeem Jeffries, a New Yorker for the uh, leader of the House. And the leading radio show in the country is and from New York. And the leading radio yes. show, uh, and, um, by the way, they're both from Brooklyn, let the record be clear. And by they're the way, both I, from Brooklyn. and let's, I was born. So Garrett's I was born Beach. I'm a Garrett's and I was born Brooklyn. And I went to Brooklyn Tech. Hey, and, uh, and I went to Brooklyn Prep. All right, okay. there you go. We got it. And, uh, Curtis got to, thrown at him. Wait, wait. And uh, Hakeem <laughs> Jeffries went to uh, Midwood. That's right. And Brooklyn Tech and Midwood always uh, used to fight each other in the football t- uh, field. And so, how did they win? Who who used to win? Midwood Tech, of course. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was just say, uh, Hakeem is a strong Democrat. I found him a very good guy to work with on bipartisan issues. He and I did work for uh, Mass Transit together. Never took the... Uh, yeah. Any, any chance to one up you at all? He played straight, so he's a classy guy. I don't agree with him on a lot, but he's a very classy guy. Well, I, I will tell you, I inf- interviewed him for about twelve minutes for a Sunday show, uh, and we're going to play a few minutes tonight. Yep, we definitely are. Uh, Can't wait and, to hear it. Um, I, I, listen, I wish uh, we we can all sit down at the same table with uh, Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the, the House, and try to make a deal. Yeah, and make a deal for for our country. As a matter of fact, I'm seeing Mike Johnson, the speaker, at 6 o'clock. Absolutely. So, John, maybe you can be the uh, the bridge builder. I'm telling you, I wish you were born in America. We would be voting for you as president. You can pull them together. <laughs> well, you know, me and Schwarzenegger are going to run together. That's right. That's what Cat Schwartz. Cat Schwartz. <laughs> and uh, I understand you uh, in the studio we have Judge Weinberg, a common sense Democrat, a common sense Republican, uh, Peter King. And I understand you got some breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with the latest breaking news is John Solomon, who is the founder of Just the News, great investigative journalist. John, fill us in on the latest. We know that Joe Biden's younger brother, James, was on Capitol Hill. Uh, You have great sources. What are they telling you came out of that? It's still ongoing. And so it could go into the early hours of the evening. I um, don't have much of a readout. Everyone's very mum right now. When he went in, there were some odd questions from the media. They want to focus on cocaine uh, in pictures from the, the uh, Hunter Biden recent court filing uh, by prosecutors. But not a lot of substance about why James Biden is there. He's there because his businesses traded on Joe Biden's name to get money. And some of that money was used to give money to Joe Biden, allegedly to repay loans. And, and, uh, in the perhaps the most consequential of those uh, transactions 
a Chinese company begins working with the Biden family, Hunter and James, in 2015, but the, the payments are delayed until 2017 after Joe Biden's left office. So we wouldn't know that Joe Biden's family was in the China business. Those are the big substantive questions. Uh, media didn't ask any of those going into the session today. We'll see what comes out of it. Now, uh, let, me, let, let me ask you, let me ask you, John, because with all that, he claims, again, it was money that he was repaying a loan. Yeah, is there sure. proof it's a loan? And I also want to give a quote because he gave sort of an opening statement, which got released to the media. I'm just going to read. Yeah, this is from James Biden. He said, I have had a 50-year career in a variety of business ventures. Joe Biden has never had any involvement or any direct or indirect financial interest in those activities. None. Uh, fill yeah. us in. Well, uh, that's different than what he told the FBI when he said, hey, my brother attended a meeting with my Chinese business partners uh, at a hotel in Washington. By the way, other uh, witnesses have confirmed that meeting. Uh, so uh, if Joe Biden had nothing to do, why was he sitting in meeting with these Chinese business investors at the Four Seasons Hotel in Washington? Why was most of Hunter Biden's big paying clients meeting with the family? This is a carefully constructed sentence, right? Uh, what they're saying is that, well, maybe he didn't have a formal role. He didn't have a title. Um, Hunter Biden once tried to give him keys in an office, but despite that, uh, they're going to try to play on the margins of the title. But the fact of the matter is the brand was Joe Biden and James and Hunter sold it. That's according to their fellow business partners, and that can't be erased by any cute wording today in that opening statement. And uh, John Solomon, of course, next week is Hunter Biden. But a lot of yes. people are talking about this FBI informant that seems yeah. to be falling apart. Uh, Christopher Ray, right, the FBI director, vouched for him. And now they're throwing yeah. these Russian collusion allegations. How credible or, or does it does the case hand hang on this guy or is it not matter? It doesn't. It was an unexpected thing that came out of left field with Chuck Grassley when he came out. Many of the people I I talked to, and I reported on it. If you go back and look at my story, they said, listen, 1023 is a raw intelligence. Christopher Steele was deemed credible and had a 1023 form. Most of that turned out not to be true. Let's wait and see where the evidence is. But absent that debate, the majority of the evidence that the impeachment inquiry has focused on has nothing to do with that informant, that allegation of bribery. What do we know? We know that Joe Biden met with the majority of Hunter Biden's largest paying foreign clients. We know he received some funds from accounts that got money from their clients, both James and Hunter. We know that Joe Biden lied during the 2020 campaign, gave us false statements. We know that Joe Biden made up an allegation of Russia collusion about the laptop that turned out to be true, and there was never any evidence when he and his 51 intelligence buddies made the claim. We also know that uh, uh, Joe Biden uh, received funds from several accounts related to his family. We're still following the money on that. Those things don't change, and perhaps the most important, the one that no one in the uh, legacy media really wants to talk about, Joe Biden changed U.S. policy to withhold a billion dollars and force the firing of a Ukrainian prosecutor who was looking at his son's company. He changed policy to benefit or to impact the situation involving his son's company. That, we were told, wasn't true. We, told that, we were told that was a conspiracy theory in 19. Now it has been proven true. Those things don't change no matter what the 1023 informant said uh, to the FBI back in 2020. Yeah, very good points. Well, John Solomon, thank you so much. We love having you here, and thank you for the very latest. You always have the good scoop, John. Good to be with you. Thanks. Rita, 
Uh, that was a great interview. Are we ever going to find out the truth, where the heck the money is? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, next week is, as we heard, Hunter Biden, what John was just telling us. So that will be interesting. He's under oath. Today was not technically under oath. Uh, but we'll see where it leads. Uh, they all are still on it. Uh, they say they are not giving I, up. I, I understand you got uh, Judge Napolitano on. Maybe he knows the truth. Let's find out. He knows and everything. He, yeah, he does. He, I agree with you guys on that. And let's bring in Judge Andrew Napolitano. Uh, Judge, your reaction first off as to like where this is going with uh, James Biden, as we mentioned, Hunter Biden next week. It's very, uh, first of all, guys, it's a pleasure to be on with you, and thanks for the, uh, the compliment, Congressman King. Uh, it, it depends. It's very interesting what John Solomon said, <clears throat> because if uh, James or <clears throat> Hunter used Joe's name and got a lot of money for themselves, and Joe did not exercise any levers of government power, there is no basis to impeach and no basis to prosecute Joe under Supreme Court opinions. But, and this is the version that John Solomon just gave us, if Joe did exercise the levers of government power in return for um, something of value that eventually made its way to him, no matter how circuitous the route may be, doesn't have to be Bob Menendez's gold bar, could be any circuitous route, um, we have a very serious uh, issue here. The statute of limitations is five years. There is no statute of limitations on uh, impeachment, but the statute of limitations for prosecution for this type of federal crime uh, is five years. There's obviously no statute of limitations on what the public, how the public wants to interpret this when they are put in the unenviable position of reviewing Joe Biden's presidency and deciding whether or not he deserves another term. Yeah, and you know what's interesting, Judge Napolitano, because uh, John was just reciting and reminding, I think, all of us of, you know, the, the I call it sort of the transition, if you will, because when Biden was, remember, in the famous debate against Trump, he said, my son never had any business with China. Nobody in my family did. Well, we know that that's not true. Uh, the son even testified that he did have business with China. Um, also, I never met the business partners. There's pictures of him with the business partners. So. It does beg the question of what else is there. The question is, uh, can they get to it? And will they ever get also Joe Biden's bank records? Because that's obviously the tell or or some of these shell companies, if something exists there. Well, they know how to get uh, documents. Uh, and the Supreme Court ruled in the uh, Trump administration that uh, then President Trump's uh, personal income tax returns could be subpoenaed by Congress. It's clear that Joe Biden's bank records can be subpoenaed by Congress because they do not have the level of protection of income tax returns. They're protected, but not of the level of income tax returns. So if the Congress wants Joe Biden's bank records, they would send a copy of the subpoena to the White House to give the White House time to hire lawyers to challenge the subpoena. But I think that challenge will fail and the Congress will get it and then they can decide uh, what they want to do with it. The, the big issue is, are they going to get Joe Biden where his brother is answering questions under oath? I doubt that that can happen because of the separation of powers. You know, that theoretically the president is the is the uh, uh, constitutional equal to the Congress. And as he can't subpoena 
them and force them to answer questions they can't subpoena him and force him to answer questions. You know, Judge Napolitano, I want to switch gears. The other uh, big legal case is we heard today uh, from the attorney general of New York, Letitia James, saying that, quote, she will seize Trump's assets, including uh, some of his, you know, prized New York City properties if he doesn't pay the three hundred and fifty five million dollar fine. Plus interest. Yeah, plus that's right. That's right. It makes it what four fifty five million, right, yeah. John? I mean, but she said if he doesn't, we're going to look at his properties. We're going to find a judgment. Your reaction? I mean, they're treating him like Hannibal Lecter. It feels like uh, this is one of the greatest acts of governmental theft in the history of the United States. I mean, you sue somebody because they've harmed you. Donald Trump not only did not harm the banks, he absolutely did not harm the government. There was no basis for this litigation whatsoever. However, that is not his immediate problem. That's an appellate uh, argument. The immediate problem, as you raised it, uh, Rita, is how to stop the execution on the judgment. There's only two ways he can stop that, uh, short of bankruptcy, which he's obviously not going to do uh, in a presidential year. He can, you're ready for this, John? Yes. Four hundred million dollars in the court's bank account, or he can obtain a bond, an insurance policy naming the court as the beneficiary. He'd have to pledge about a billion dollars. Yes, uh, yesterday I said about eight hundred million, at least two to one. You're right. He would have to pledge at least that, and he'd have to pay substantial uh, premiums. For how long? Uh, this case is not going to get accelerated status, meaning um, Judge Weinberg knows this better than I. This case would get online in the appellate division, in my opinion, uh, three to four years. He will have served his presidency and be finished with it by the time the appellate division. Uh, isn't rules. there something, you know, Judge Weinberg, Judge Napolitano, isn't there something wrong with this? Isn't there somebody that can stand up and say this is wrong? I, I, last week I interviewed uh, uh, Governor Hochul. I said, can't you stand up and say this is wrong as, as far as all New Yorkers? And uh, she says she doesn't want to get, in, you know, the legislature is the legislature and, and the courts are the courts and, and, and the executive office is the executive office. So she didn't want to get in. The problem, Judge I'm sorry. is her ideological and political buddy. The governor would love nothing more than uh, $400 million of Donald Trump's wealth for them to squander, like they squander the taxpayer uh, dollars. It is profoundly wrong. I, I think Judge Weinberg probably agrees with me. Under the Constitution and under principles of morality, a basic right and wrong, you can't sue somebody that didn't cause any harm. Uh, but uh, Judge uh, Justice Engeron, whom uh, Judge Weinberg knows, wouldn't hear any of this. But the appellate court will. You know, Justice Engeron was appealed six times, twice before the trial and four times during the trial. All six times he was reversed by the various appellate panels that heard the appeals. The big problem is that the statutory interest under New York law of 9% keeps running yeah. until you have a stay that, that forces. Yeah. Does he get tr- the interest back if, if it's wrong? <laughs> go, 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 tra- <laughs> go trace that back. No, the problem, in other words, in other no, words, the right. Problem, the problem is the statutory interest continues to run unless there's a stay. The only way he's going to get a stay, Judge Napolitano, is if he appeals. That means he has to pony up the money or he has to get the bond it and he has to. Uh, but has there's to do nobody, that. nobody, you no, know, there's guys, nobody, there's, there's no nobody way. out there 
that is, is capable of saying this is crazy? The appellate division is the first. Listen, the appellate division is dealing with a statute that provides for the 9% statutory interest. The only way they'll be able to, to stay that, perhaps, is after uh, after the, the appeal. Which is means three to four years, right? I mean, According to what I just heard. That's right. That's I mean, crazy. No, it's, it's preposterous. And it is. And Judge Napolitano is correct. Is they didn't prove a bad state of mind. They didn't prove injury. The no banks, victim. The bank said they'd do it again, Judge and Weinberg. Fact, and in fact, Correct. the banks gave Donald Trump a haircut on the money, on the money they loaned him and on the estimates that they had. So there was no injury here. And the fact of the matter is that the statute that makes him pony up all this money or this bond really does deprive somebody of a constitutional right to appeal. Judge Napolitano, what do you think? Right. Well, listen, it deprives him of his property. It deprives him of his right to appeal by making it so onerous. Exactly. Expensive. Who the hell could afford even Trump 400 million in cash just to perfect the appeal? So do you see and any course, option here for the federal courts to get involved uh, as a constitutional issue? 14th Amendment no, issue? Or? No, no. And not even a, a this is interfere. Isn't this interference with a with a presidential election? Yeah, you would. Th- and the other thing I heard, by the way, I was watching Trump had a town hall last night. He brought up uh, the Eighth Amendment. So tell us how is there something to Peter's point or, or and to John's point? I just think this is unfair. Oh, I think it's reprehensible. Yeah, it's I think, disgusting. No, I think it's, I think it's reprehensible. But this may be whether a situation. Hate, whether there's whether no you remedy. Hate Trump or exactly. hate Trump or like Trump. This is not about carrying it, water it, for Trump. I think it's wrong. It is wrong, John. It's, it's not wrong. about carrying water for Trump. If they can do this to Donald Trump. A very wealthy man, former president of the United States, they can do this to anybody. It means an unscrupulous prosecutor can go after any person that they don't like them. for whatever reason. And break them. It and is break crazy. Yes. Crazy. Yes. Judge Napolitano, just a few seconds, uh, final word. Well, it's even worse because Letitia James ran on the platform of, I'm going to get Trump. And that's the platform on which she ran. She delivered. She's at the height of her power and her career. She believes Right now, this is a reprehensible and utterly immoral use of governmental uh, power, A, to further the uh, the career of a politician, and B, where the person sued caused no harm, committed no crime, well, caused no harm, but is released at $400 million. It's, it's inconceivable that this could stand up on appeal. On the last note, 500 people in Russia put flowers on the grave of uh, of the gentleman that yeah, Alexei uh, Navalny, Alexei, yep, and uh, those five hundred are now in jail, uh, and they have a choice. By the way, they yes. sign the papers; they can be brought to the Ukraine front. Yeah, no, yeah, literally, use, yeah. They, use his fodder, cannon fodder. That's right. Thank you, Judge Napolitano. Keep fighting for justice in America. Thank you so much. Uh, Go ahead, Judge. All the best. Thank, Thank you, you, Judge. Uh, let's take a break right now, and we're going to come back. There's a victory. Vito Fasella has won the case. It's about uh, voting uh, for non-citizen migrants. Bravo, bravo. He's going to fill us in with the breaking news. Great job, my viewers. Okay, stay tuned. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby, and we have some breaking news right now. Breaking news, WABC. 
And joining us now with the very latest on a big, big court decision, joining us is Vito Fisella. He is, of course, Staten Island Borough President. We love him here on Cats and Cosby. Vito, fill us in on what just happened. Well, hello, everybody. It's hello, great Vito. To be with you all. Hello. Good to see you. Good to hear your voice, as always. And thank you for really? having me. Uh, um, yeah, listen, I, I'm allowed to uh, sib once in a while. Yeah, you can't lie on the air, okay, Vito? Yeah, please, and, and here, please. Anything, if you can just ask Peter to leave the studio while I'm on, I really would appreciate <laughs> okay. it. Uh, we all tried that. He won't leave. He's stu- we're stuck with him. But anyway. Monday and Wednesday. <laughs> all right, give uh, us the breaking uh, news. <laughs> So uh, you may recall that in December of 2021, uh, the City Council of New York tried to uh, force upon us the ability of non-citizens the right to vote in local elections. And uh, we have had a victory for common sense today because what we did is we sued uh, and we won uh, at the trial level. The judge at the trial level issued a very good ruling, Judge Porzio, with a number of plaintiffs. And the the city appealed, and today uh, the appellate division uh, ruled that, yes, indeed, you have to be a citizen to vote in local elections, and we won. Uh, And it's basically the main argument where we said uh, the the New York State Constitution, basically in plain English, says you must be a citizen to vote. The uh, opponent said, no, that's not the case. Uh, for example, they said, well, it doesn't say non-citizens can't vote. Uh, and we argued, yeah, but it doesn't say Martians can't vote, can vote either. So we won on that. We won on uh, the, the election law. And also, if they want to change the rules, they have to go for a referendum. So on the, all major points of law, uh, the people of the city won, the citizens of New York City won. And common sense prevailed. So uh, very grateful to the judges for issuing those rulings. Uh, the city, I guess, has the opportunity to appeal to the Court of Appeals if they want to. Uh, we hope they do not. We can get back to the most important things that matter to the people of New York City. Peter, was there any dissenting opinion? <laughs> yes, there was. It was a three to one decision. Um, and, you know, just generally speaking, uh, the three judges who supported this uh, decision supported basically took our, the judge's opinion and, by extension, ours, and the dissenting uh, opinion pretty much took the uh, uh, the language of the opposition. Explain why they wanted this. I mean, there's some obvious reasons, but it goes to all sort of all the open borders and everything else, a lot of questions. Explain why, Vito, uh, you know, many folks in the city were saying, oh, this is a good idea. Yeah, I think it's just part of the same conversation, Rita. Uh, you know, open borders, m- migrants uh, getting right to shelter, uh, doesn't matter. Give them, everybody, free food, free hotels, free everything. Uh, and if you come and you're not a citizen, you get to vote in local elections. So by extension, if this law uh, was revert or this law was allowed to be implemented, uh, the 100,000 migrants in the city uh, theoretically would be allowed to vote in local elections. So I think it's a mentality that the country doesn't have borders, that the United States uh, borders have no integrity, that anybody can come and do whatever the heck they want. And I like to think that we and you all in the studio there believe that there is something to be said for citizenship. There is something to be said for the border. There is something to be said for the integrity of what it means to be an American citizen. And you can't throw everything just out the window. So that's why I get back to common sense prevailed. 
and I guess we just got to continue to fight. Yeah. You know, um, Vito, quickly, I'm curious. I always get asked this question and you and Peter would certainly know. Um, how does, how did the migrants go with, obviously we talked about the voting here. What about with the census? How does that go? And in terms of representation? Well, that's a very, it's a very fair point and a fair question. And, uh, you know, Peter and I joke a lot, but there's nobody better uh, than Peter King, in my opinion. And he's probably one of the biggest patriots I've ever met in my life. And, and he and I share the view that you just can't dilute what it means to be a citizen. You can't dilute what it means to come here legally and love this country and contribute to this country. And, and when you start putting hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people uh, who come here illegally and non-citizens and then say they're entitled to a vote, I think it just takes away from what it means to be, as they say, an American citizen. And I think it, people talk about undermining democracy. I think that undermines democracy when you pretend that being a non-citizen in this country is equal to being a citizen. I just don't buy it. Vito, uh, what I heard today that is, you know, because everybody's scratching their heads, why is this happening to our borders? Why are they shipping them up to all the blue states? And they said that, well, they want to pack the blue states so that they get uh, more representation during the census to have more Congress people. Now, yeah, that's what I'm getting uh, at. Are they going to count the migrants in the census? They may, right? They, they may. There are people out there who want to give them the right to vote. There are people out there who want to give them free accommodations. And there are people out there who want to give them a, a say in, in the representative process. And if you're talking about a million people in New York City that may be non-citizens, that's one and a half congressional seats. You, know, you look at the House of Representatives, there's only a few seat uh, difference. If you can pick up two or three or four seats uh, by counting non-citizens, or migrants, you flip the house. But where does that stand? Just to, just so I'm clear for our listeners, Pete. My understanding is it's based on residents in the state and immigrants. And I think we, we I really go, in I, other I words, the census doesn't say citizens. No, it doesn't. No, no that's the argument's always been you count them in terms of uh, representation. Wow. So the, is the GOP being outsmarted again? Well, outsmarted if you if you want us to bring in illegal immigrants, you would. But also, by the way, just so you know, guys who were sentenced to life in prison. Can we bring in some Martians or something? Exactly. They can bring in the illegal migrants. We'll bring in the Martians. That's right. Martians have a tendency to vote Republican. Yes. Even even prisoners in jail on life sentences are counted. That's why I'm asking this question because even if they can't vote, they could be counted in terms of representation. You're a great lawyer. Thank you. Thank you. Be counted towards the census. Wow. That's a That's big exactly deal. Right. And as I say, if, if there are, say, five million and there are more uh, non-citizens in this country, uh, you're talking about seven, seven or so congressional seats. Right. Wow. If you start doing the math. Yeah. Chicago, New York, California. You can see that's where it's headed. We're going to go to a break. Vito Fasella. Congratulations. You did uh, God's work. And uh, thank you for as far as all American citizens. Not that I'm not thanking you as far as American migrants. How about the Martians? <laughs> Martians How about the Martians? The Martians. <laughs> Thank you, Vito Fusella, Borough President of Staten Island. You did great work. Thank you so much. Keep up the five years. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you, John. God bless you, Take Peter, care. Rita, Judge. All y'all have a good night. Thank, Thank you. you, and Rita. Some hot news for a change? It's the top news of the day. Sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. 
And we always have hot news here on Cats and Cosby. Well, you heard at the top of the great show here, President Biden's brother, James Biden, was on Capitol Hill today. He answered questions as part of the Republican-led impeachment inquiry into the president in a closed-door deposition. He told lawmakers that his brother never had any involvement or financial interest in his business ventures. House Republicans say evidence shows Biden was involved in his family's overseas business deals as part of an influence peddling scheme. And that's what they're looking into. Donald Trump has revealed a list of potential running mates during a Fox News town hall last night. Trump confirmed he is considering South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem. Also, he's looking at Vivek Ramaswamy, Byron Donalds, and also Tulsi Gabbard. Trump said they are all solid choices, but didn't say when he plans to announce his pick. And Boeing has replaced the head of its embattled 737 MAX program. It's about time. It is about time. And, of course, John, as you know, we were talking about it here on the show, uh, the 739 MAX jet has had a lot of scrutiny since that door blew out during that Alaska Airlines flight last month. And everybody, those are your great hot, hot, hot Goya top stories of the day, John. Well, we're trying to get uh, uh, Mr. Unanaway in from Goya to tell us how pure the olive oil is. Yeah, he knows because he has been, his and, family's been in the business for years. He knows. Uh, Yvette just told me that Matt Wanning forgot to call him. Oh, we're going to have to talk to uh, to that guy about it. But you know what? That You know what? That's a good tease for tomorrow. That's good Matt is let's working up again. for a good guest for tomorrow. That's why that is. Well, let's uh, let's go for a break. And yep. what do we have? We have Michael Goodwin coming up, and uh, he's one good uh, great stuff, John. And he has some good stuff about Biden and Israel. You don't want to miss that. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katzimatidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. Well, stopping by about a uh, half hour ago, uh, uh, just before we went on the air, we had uh, leaders, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, uh, only one or two votes from being away from Speaker. And he was at the WABC office, and, and I asked him a few questions, and the full and the full uh, interview is going to be on Sunday on the Cats Roundtable. I can't wait to hear uh, it. Let's play two, two or three minutes of Hakeem Jeffries, and then we're going to have Mr. Goodwin Come on to give comments. With us today is the leader of the United States Congress, Hakeem Jeffries, and he's only one or two votes away from being Speaker. A New Yorker, I've known him uh, a long, long time, and let's see what he has to say. Mr. Leader, welcome back to New York. You're home. It's good to be home. It's good to be on the show. Earlier today, I was on The View. Now I'm with John Casamitidis. It's a quintessential New York City media day. I'll tell you... I've lived in New York for over 70 years. I went to public schools in New York. I went to Brooklyn Tech. And uh, I love New York. And we have to make New York survive. Right now, we're, uh, so many New Yorkers are afraid of what's going on. You, you tell us. I mean, you're a New Yorker. You walk around. What can we do to help New York? Well, there are challenges that we have to address, of course, to continue to make sure that New York City remains the greatest city in the world. Uh, I was proud to be born and raised, grow up in Brooklyn, then go to Brooklyn Tech, went to Midwood uh, High School. Uh, they had a good football team. They had a good football team. I didn't play on it, uh, but they had a good football team. I played baseball in high school, and it was a wonderful experience. And, you know, we want to make sure 
that we can continue to move forward as a great city. And so I think that requires, of course, a consistent fight uh, for lowering costs, addressing, you know, the high cost of living that exists. It's a challenge all across America, but it's always been a situation here in New York, particularly around housing. Uh, I know it's an area that you have great expertise. We want to make sure we can continue to build housing and create and preserve as much affordable housing as possible so that New York City can continue to be home for the middle class, all those who aspire to be part of it, and people who go beyond it. I think we need all classes. You want the class that pays uh, $55 for a hamburger, and you want the class that pays $5 for a hamburger to average things out, don't you? Our diversity is a great strength across the board, right? That's racial, that's religious, that's artistic, that's cultural, and it's socioeconomic, right? The entire spectrum. This should be a place for everyone. I agree 100%. Now, tell me, uh, you guys, uh, uh, between you and Mike Johnson, you're one or two votes apart. Uh, and uh, uh, what are you, are you, do you have a dialogue? Are you discussing things together? Yeah, my view from the very beginning of this Congress is that as House Democrats, we are ready, we're willing, we're able to find bipartisan common ground on any issue, at any time, any place, in order to make life better for the American people, to address issues related to the economy, public safety, national security, and we should always be willing to do that. And so Mike Johnson and I speak regularly, try to figure out where are those places of commonality. Now we also recognize that there will be times that we may disagree with the best possible approach for the American people. However, I think we've made the decision to agree to disagree without being disagreeable with each other. And my view, I think you share this view, John, is that in Washington, we need less chaos and more common sense. Wow. I can't wait to hear the whole interview, John, on yeah, Sunday. No, it'll be on Sunday, the whole interview. And, uh, you know, look, I like uh, Hakeem Jeffries as a person. Uh, I like Mike Johnson as a person. I wish they'd sit around the table and make a deal. Yeah, well, by the way, you're one of the few people who can talk to everybody, and I think it's important that all sides talk to each other. Well, I mean, Let's go to Mike Goodwin you know? and see what he says. Yeah, let's go to Mike Goodwin, Pulitzer Prize-winning correspondent and columnist, of course, there with the New York Post. Your reaction. Uh, there we had Hakeem Jeffries talking about where things are headed. Well, um, look, I, I think uh, Hakeem Jeffries is a skillful politician, and he managed to say a lot without really saying anything. Um, the, you know, the issues that he talks about bipartisanship, I mean, let's start with the border. Uh, it befuddles me to this day why Democrats, two, two New York Democrats, Hakeem Jeffries, minority leader in the House, Chuck Schumer, majority leader in the Senate, why haven't they gone to Joe Biden and said, have you noticed what the migrants are doing to our city, to our capital city, really, the capital city of America, uh, outside of the government capital in Washington? And they haven't done that. Uh, so are, I'm they, not sure. are they scared of him? You know, it's, I, I don't know, John, why they haven't done it. Uh, I, it seems to me, I don't, I don't think they're afraid of Biden. I think, if anything, they're afraid of the left. The left hovers like the great cloud over what used to be the moderate Democratic Party. And everybody is terrified. Everybody's terrified of being primaried. 
they're terrified, I guess, of AOC going on television and making fun of them or doing something on social media. But outside of that, I cannot explain why these sensible people who know better have sat there quietly while New York is being destroyed. And so he talks about, you know, the greatest city in the world and we have to do. Well, it seems to me right now the number one problem for New York City and New York City residents, and it's, it's sort of a tipping point problem, is the migrant issue. It, it's bankrupting the city, not, not overnight, but it is siphoning off a tremendous amount of money that cannot go. I mean, we have now a, a police force that's smaller than when Eric Adams took office. Yeah, that's stunning. By the way, Michael, did you see Michael Goodwin just a little bit ago? The mayor came out and said there won't be the cuts um, and that there will be some cuts to migrant services. But then on the other hand, we didn't hear anything about that $53 million debit card deal. That's just the tip of the iceberg and which you guys at the New York Post have done some great investigative uh, work reporting on it. Yes, look, I think it's Eric Adams on the uh migrant issue has been almost as confounding as the Democratic Party as a whole. One day he says they're going to destroy New York, and the next day he says, let's make the the welcome wagon bigger and fatter. Uh, I wish he would make up his mind. I wish he would have taken this problem on two years ago when the migrants first started showing up in the city shelter system and called out the, the president uh, before the midterms, called out Kathy Hochul, uh, before her reelection, and made made a statement that he was putting New York ahead of party, and we just haven't seen Jeffries do that. We haven't seen Schumer do that, and we certainly haven't seen Eric Adams do that. And you both know many of the same people I do. The people who are thinking about leaving New York grows every day, and it's not just the wealthy; it's the middle class who feel squeezed by the, the pressure financially, by the crime, by the disorder, by the schools. Uh, what, what is it like to have a child in a school and suddenly you have now five migrant children in your class uh, who don't speak English? No one's quite sure of their aptitude. But the, the teacher, the one teacher with 25 students already now has 30 students uh, and five of them don't speak English. Uh, what is that teacher supposed to do? Uh, and why would that family, if they could avoid it, stay in that school? Yeah, it is. There are so many questions. Um, we literally have like 30 seconds left, Michael, real quick, um, about Biden and Israel. Well, look, I, I, I would say that his initial support from Israel for Israel after October 7th has been consistently whittled down to now where I think we're he's sprinting toward a full betrayal. And this push for a two-state solution, this push to stop the IDF from finishing the job of eliminating Hamas, uh, all of these things, I think, portend not just badly for Israel, but in the but in the short term or in the long term. But what it means is that Iran will continue to have a free hand to stir up these these terrorist organizations and to cause trouble. So all of this trouble we've seen since October 7th, the invasion of Gaza, et cetera, all the destruction, all the death, 
it will have to be repeated unless you do away with the terror elements and the sponsor, Iran. Yeah, no, you're right. The flipping and flopping is is, uh, the go wait. It's terrible. Michael Goodwin, thank you. We love having you on, Michael. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Michael. My pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you so much. And joining us now to talk about it's, it sounds like, like a scene out of a, like a, a wild space movie. Uh, but now it is reality. Uh, we have Dr. Mark Siegel and you want to talk about Elon Musk Neuralink brain chip. This is wild, oh Dr. Siegel. This is, by the way, I just saw a second ago, he just got nominated Elon Musk, uh, for the Nobel Peace Prize, I think it was. That's not surprising. You know, one thing John Roberts said to me today on the air, it's true, which is when he makes a proclamation, he ends up delivering eventually, you know, with with SpaceX and, of course, you know, with with Tesla and now with this. But he's part of a group of people that are in this technology space. And and by all of his outspokenness, he's going to even make it more prominent for people, investors, because Neuralink has been around a while, but they're perfecting it. And the first place you start with this, again, it's a digital interface that involves thousand electrodes in the brain that senses what the brain is sensing, delivers it back to AI or a computer, and then could actually receive a message via Bluetooth to actually get you to do something. And the goal, of course, initially is to overcome paralysis. That's the group that Elon Musk is is testing right now, studying under FDA guideline. But, you know, in the end, the FDA has to approve a use and it might approve it for paralyzed patients or for Parkinson's patients or for MS patients or stroke patients. Uh, That's going to be terrific. Then if you go beyond that and say, well, what about Manchurian candidate or, you know, somebody can review their memories like a file cabinet, that's going to be harder to get the FDA to sign off on. I mean, Elon Musk has said maybe we could use Neuralink so you could tell your cat how to behave. Well, cats don't, cats don't listen to anybody. What but, about like what about if you want like your spouse to like uh, do the dishes or, or clean up? I mean, <laughs> can we get to that point? My experience with marriage is that I'm already under mind control. I don't think I don't think I need any more. John, John probably agrees with me. I mean, look, yeah, Margot tells him what to do. I mean, you know, but seriously, I, I think that that's the question. You know, Elon also says you, maybe we can combine a man or a woman's thinking with AI. It makes me nervous. I think AI is incredible, but I don't know necessarily want to be integrated circuitry here. So I think we have to draw the line there and say that there's going to be enormous therapeutic potential. And maybe, you know, maybe if you're losing it in certain areas, now I won't mention any leader of the United States by name, maybe maybe it would help, you know? Uh, I, I think I know who you're referring to. Uh, <laughs> the guy who stumbled up Air Force uh, Air Force One steps today again. I think I know who you mean. Air Force One. Yeah, he was going up again. There's only one guy. There's only, yeah, <laughs> you, you, maybe. Do you have an idea who that might be, Pete? What's that? We're talking about that guy who was stumbling up the steps on Air Force One? Uh, I don't know. James Polk? James Buchanan? I don't know. <laughs> hey, Doc, Mark how you doing? I, I'd say Peter King for president. Why isn't he throwing his hat into I the know, ring? Or at least trying. vice president. Yes, it's going to be, if they allow non-citizens, it's going to be me and Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Remember. I love that. You're, you're I, the I, I love of... that, by the way. We talked about that last time. And yes. I think, you know. I think that that Schwarzenegger is is, and we already have had an act an actor in the White House. So that's right. We're yeah. ready. We're ready. Well, Doctor Mark Siegel, thank, thank you. you so much. We Mark. love having you. Dinner soon. 
Yeah, and, and by the way, I noticed you didn't mi- invite Michael Goodwin, so I, I have a step up on him when it comes to dinner. Absolutely. I want, I want to come when Mariano's there. You got it. it. Thank you. Our home run hitter, uh, Dr. Dr. Mark Siegel. Thank you very much. And everybody, after the break, we are talking to Councilman Bob Holden, who's going to talk about migrants in New York and who's paying for it. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Everybody talking about the migrant situation. By the way, there are some other video going viral of now other migrants beating up on NYPD officers who showed up at the Randall's Island migrant shelter and stories about gangs and everything else. Joining us now is New York City Councilman Democrat with the Common Sense Caucus, because boy, is he common sense. Uh, Robert Holden, Councilman, great to have you here. Let's talk about first, um, we just heard a few minutes ago, uh, Mayor Eric Adams was saying that they will not be now slashing some of the city budget, thank goodness, because boy, if they had cut, you know, cops and fire department and all that. And he also says there may be a slight cut uh, to migrants for the funding, but he didn't talk about this $53 million, this pilot program that's going to give every migrant family essentially $15,000 and maybe more. What, what about our veterans? What about our veterans? And our ancestors didn't get that. Uh, we they, they came here and they had to fend for themselves. They had to work hard. Uh, they, we're giving away, you know, we're giving away everything. We're giving away money. If you have more kids, uh, if you have two kids, let's say, you'll get $17,000. Uh, where's that money coming from? Our pockets. Um, we shouldn't give we should tell, and then mayor should announce right away that we're not giving anything. If you if you come here, you have to fend for yourself. That's it, and you'll see less less uh, migrants or what they call them asylum se- uh, seekers. They're not really asylum seekers. They they really want jobs, and that's not a reason to come to New York City. Uh, economic um, uh, situations. You get here if you're threatened in your homeland. You have to prove that, and they haven't proved that. Yeah, you know, Councilman Bob Holden, too, I just saw a story that one in four New York City kids now live in poverty. Uh, these are, you know, American citizens. One in four. Uh, what are they getting? Exactly. And, and you know, so the mayor is celebrating, you know, and it is slightly good news that we're not going to go through cuts. But you can't fully predict economic growth, by the way. So it's going, you know, and again, the migrants keep coming here. So it's it's you know, it's going to keep going on. We're still going to be spending taxpayer money. And, you know, I haven't met, you know, uh, so many people now uh, or now I'm actually getting more and more people who say they want to move. I mean, we all hear that. You all hear that, that your friends say, I can't wait to get out of New York City. It's not going to get better if we keep having more people and pay for more people coming here and putting them up in hotels and giving them food and clothing and uh, and again the visa cards whatever they're giving them uh, it's coming from our taxpayer money and that's why people are leaving so the tax base is going to get worse so that the out years next few years are going to be much worse so we need to put any money that we have extra now aside. 
Yeah, great point. Uh, I mean, it's like it's like an endless sieve. That's the issue. You know, what about also um, the crime issue, too, that we have seen? We had the other day someone who was talking about all these different migrant gangs now fighting turf wars, if you will. The Tren de Aragua, which is the Venezuelan gang, and then MS-13. These are brutal gangs. And so far, a number of these guys who've been beating up cops come from the Venezuelan gang. I mean, they're, yes. they're here. I mean, what what can we do and why are we not like throwing the book at them? Yeah, and exactly because, of, again, of our uh, sanctuary city laws. And that's what you're seeing. So we should be turning in the old days before these laws. We used to turn over anybody that committed a crime. We turn them over to ICE. We don't do that. Uh, because of the city council laws over the years, and it started with uh, Mayor Bloomberg and it continued uh, with Mayor de Blasio. But this is why. So what's happening, we should be turning over anybody that attacks a police officer right over to ICE for deportation. Nobody's talking about that. By the way, there's a story that just crossed. Uh, This is interesting. It's an Arizona prosecutor is refusing to extradite a suspect in the New York City hotel. Remember that uh, that case of that horrible, brutal murder that happened? And they're saying that they don't want to because of New York's uh, soft on crime policies with criminals. Uh, That's an astounding moment. um, I I don't get it, but we we don't have enough criminals in uh, New York City. We have to import them. I mean, this is insane. Plus, what you, what's not being mentioned, it has to be talked about. I know Curtis has been talking about it. What about the, you know, the terrorist watch list? We have two million people on it. And how many terrorists got through the southern border or, or even the northern border? We don't know. Bob, Bob, this is Pete King. Uh, you know, going back to my days growing up in Queens, your district was always, to me, solid Americana. How is it holding up with all of these attacks coming from all around us? Again, uh, Congressman, I, I hear every day people wanting to get out, and that, that concerns wow. me because they're longtime residents here, yeah. but they're fed up. The middle class is fed up in New York City. Wow. That is a sad testament. Well, Bob Holden, thank you so much for fighting the good fight, at least, and voicing concerns. We love having you here. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob, very, very much. Thank you. We appreciate you being here. And, guys, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. way. God save the king.